You're listening to the Slavic Literature Pod, your shelf-help guide to all things Slavic. I'm Cameron Lalana. And I'm Matt Karasimovich. And you're listening to the Slavic Literature Pod's uh, Vasily Grossman, Life and Fate, read-along, covering part one, chapter three. <laughs> you can't see the faces Matt's making at me. We're covering part one. Chapter three, continuing with Mostovskoy in the camps. <laughs> Don't laugh when too? you say that. It's not funny, <laughs> Cameron. You're the one that laughed. Matt, just he could not stop giggling going into this episode. You just say gulag to him. He just like it's, breaks down. It, and It took too many. It took too many tries for you to get through that intro. <laughs> <laughs> It's, it's i think it's roughly the same one i i add them every day and yet i forget it every time um <laughs> anyway so last episode we we're talking about the people the new types of criminals the reich has come up with uh, and now we're learning more about how the people have adapted which is um both somewhat i mean by the nature of the environment they're in necessarily inhuman but also kind of it reasserts its own humanity in a lot of ways um anything you wanted to start off with this part with I like 100% forgot about the first paragraph of this that I really wanted to dive into today. Mm. I'm going to go back and put it in our discord now after, but you, you get the, the types of prisoners, but you also get how they're kind of divided in, I don't know if you'd call it hierarchy or what it is, but you get, you get four names at the beginning of this chapter. Uh, and the, well, the only person who's who's let go is the non-military Russian woman who was sent on her way with some money and some bread. Right. And this uh, is in reference to when Mostovskoy and his party are captured, which happens in Stalingrad, captured by the, the Germans as they're being transported. Yes, correct. Uh, and I guess maybe that's, I guess, not clear based on how it sort of starts. But yeah, so that that's what's happening. You you get this one Russian woman who's non-military and she's let go. It's you know not a not a big deal uh, apparently. Uh, and then you have Semyonov who's just kind of common type soldier and he's just sent to the normal prisoner, you know, battalion wherever they're wherever they're they're sending them to prison. And then you have Mustovskoy who's in the uh, a more specialized camp for political prisoners and for you know party members and people who are, you know, presumably have some intelligence that they would like to get. Uh, but then you have Sophie Leventon, who is Jewish, and she is never heard from again. And so Grossman here is is taking specific issue with how the Soviet Union kind of handled is essentially the Holocaust after World War II in historical memory, and how this was tried to sort of not, not exactly be swept under the rug or pretend that it didn't happen, but sort of downplayed, I guess you'd say. Uh, in the sort of more official line being this, well, the Nazis were the enemies of the Soviet Union. They were coming after, you know, all Soviet people uh, equally. And, you know, a lot of what Grossman's evidence that he collects points to is that, well, no, not, not really. Uh, it just happened that the Soviets were kind of in the way of what the Nazis were really trying to do, which was, of course, exterminate the Jews. And so this is why this is an important piece uh, that I, I don't think it was mentioned much in our discussion uh, today in our Discord, which is why I wanted to make sure that I noted this on the podcast now, because it's going to be a really important part of what we see going forward. For sure, yeah. Um, if you you might have heard the term, do not divide the dead, that was sort of the rebuke to 
uh, people who might have brought up that there were disproportionate numbers of certain ethnicities, Jews certainly first uh, uh, foremost among them, but also other you know peoples more so on the kind of on the I don't want to call them the borderlands, but you know in between uh, closer to the border of of where the invasions happened, and um, <clears throat> you have to remember Grossman, as Matt was saying, was working on um, it was following these trends specifically because he was working on a work known as the Black Book which is uh, something that he and other Jewish journalists were working on, specifically documenting uh, Nazi war crimes against Jewish people. Uh, some of that work was used at Nuremberg, as Matt has mentioned previously, but the official publication of the book was basically kind of like administratively run into the ground after the war, although during the war they did receive support for it. So you start to see this sort of, like I think it would be too far to call it a, de a denial, but definitely a an official line where it's, you know, no one group, you know, suffered more than the others, which is certainly not the case. Yeah. It's, it's not like denial level, like, uh, not like complete and total denial, right? Mm -hmm. Just a morphing of the facts more or less. Yeah, definitely. But, so we have that today. And then we also have this sort of, I, I don't know, to me, it's uh, borderline comical in a lot of the, way that it's written just the sort of humor that mm. is present in this scene of Mustafskoy in the camp and you kind of you wrote a little bit about that and i was wondering if you'd expand yeah well i mean just right back to back in those paragraphs you have um the quote from today is talking about the the football teams that have eventually evolved and talking about these different areas of the camp which have formed their own teams sick bay the marsh team the kitchen team the poles I guess the polls are their own department, um, an department with not very good defense in their football team, apparently. Mm -hmm. But before, immediately before that section, they're describing how in this barracks, you know, you may, it's, life is difficult. You're a guinea pig. You may be called up by an orderly and you, that person may be there to try to trade you some goods, or you may be called up by an orderly and you may disappear forever halfway through your conversation. And these two uh, paragraphs exist side by side of this strange um, inhumanity, because at this point, the people they are so dead to this possibility that happens just day to day the only real reaction to someone disappearing is oh that's more space for me okay cool let me try to get that and then immediately going back to chatting about which of our groups are better at football so just this you see this we've talked about this in our discussion i think we've i've had other people mention it previously the ways in which you know individual humanity keeps asserting itself even in this environment even if it's in a very, very morbid way. And even if it's like a, a false hopes, right? At the end of the at end of this chapter, which we have someone, one of our, our readers mentioned actually, um, which I actually, let me bring in their their line here. Um, I feel like there's a connection made between Mostovskoy's putting down of Catholicism and religion, that's in reference to another comment we'll bring up later, as a good Marxist should. In the last line of chapter three, uh, these rumors were invariably both comforting and false, the opium of the camps. To offer the familiar and oft-quoted passage from Marx's work on Hegel, Religion is the sight of the pressed creature, the heart of a heartless world, and the soul of soulless conditions. It is the opium of the people. So I see this as Grossman showing how human nature conflicts with ideology. We can consider ourselves above something like organized religion, but we all have our own opium, the thing that we need to make sense of our world and get us through its horrors. Um, in this case, this is from Mike Shaw, who's on Instagram as Books to Pug. Uh, Mike is responding to another uh, uh, another Discord user who we'll talk about in a second who brought up Masovskoy's treatment of a Catholic priest, but uh, more broadly here, we also have the people in the camps talking 
news in the outside world. They may be dead to the possibility, more so to speak, that they may be brought, you know, to an unknown fate today, tomorrow, whenever. But also, did you hear the Allies might have a new super weapon? You know, that there is this member of the Nazi high command who might be about to do, you know, such and such thing. So this sort of kernel of, you know, humanity still remains, even if it is possibly pointless, right? It will not necessarily reach them. I think that was what I was paying attention to. I thought it was it was a good point. I mean, I think that people tend to um, misread maybe that that quote, the opium of the masses. Mm. Right? It tends to be something that's interpreted more commonly as something that is a a deliberate tool used to oppress people. Mm. And I don't think that was what the original intent is, and that's what not not what Grossman is talking about here. Is talking about something that is can be almost useful in in some ways mm. even if it is false it's a way that helps you kind of um make sense of the situation that you're in uh in a way that uh does not you know make your mind just explode essentially with the sort of a bitter reality that exists as such it's something that allows you to kind of uh i don't know say make sense of the world that you're in mm. but uh it can make things bearable when things are really really unbearable right uh, and so there but i i do also think there's this, this layer of sort of sort of satire of, of grossman kind of appropriating some of these phrases within this context as well which i think is uh really remarkable to do right <laughs> yeah and, and also to go back to that other discord user Leo, I'll bring in their comment as well. As I've been reading Stalingrad and Life and Fate simultaneously, very ambitious there. I've been struck by Gro that's my commentary, not Leia's. Uh, I've been struck by Grossman's ability to encapsulate webs of a complex emotion and the reactions of a diverse group of people to the situations in such short, perceptive bursts. The books are massive, but they're comprised of these compact, smooth sentences that are really stunning. In one of the introductions, can't remember which book it was in, Robert Chandler talks about how Grossman, as a journalist, uh, train himself to write in all situations. That really comes alive here, especially in the quote you've highlighted for this chapter, which you've heard. Um, skipping ahead to the juxtaposition of abject horror and everyday rec uh, recreation builds a powerful image within this compact space. And then Leia also goes on to talk about uh, it, that it interested them uh, about Mostowsko's reaction to the Polish bishop who briefly travels Mostowski. Um, you know, as Leia writes as a Catholic, I found it morbidly funny, but I'm interested to see how Grossman examines religion and the interaction of religious groups in the novel. Uh, which uh, is what Mike was responding to in the next comment. But also, I think that's something that's really, um, really interesting to pay attention to in this novel. If you listen to the rerun or the original run of the Sistine Madonna, uh, you'll know that Matt and I kind of had some some disagreements or disagreement, some discussion on religion and Grossman and the way that Grossman uses religiosity or religious themes, religious elements, language, however you want to call it, and uh, which is interesting for someone who is not, by all accounts, himself religious. So... I think interesting to pay attention to the ways he does integrate religious imagery uh, and just the religion itself into the world of, of what he's writing about. I can't remember where where I heard this quote. It was something that I was watching for a class that I was taking on Life and Fate, and somebody referred to it as the greatest Christian novel ever written. And uh, I'll just say it's really interesting that these viewpoints can exist, uh, given the context of the book and Grossman himself. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. So, something to pay attention to. I think, unless there's anything else you wanted to bring up, I think those are the two ones we wanted to highlight for today. 
I'm good for now. There's there's so much, and that was a great segue into what we're going to talk about tomorrow because we get a little bit more on religion tomorrow. Yeah. Shall we say? Shall we say? I shall. <laughs> you shall indeed hear from us. Well, thank you all for being here today, and we will... You'll hear from us again tomorrow. 